Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. So God has been doing a lot in my heart in the area of prayer. He's really been taking me deeper. And I want to be the person that when I pray, atmospheres change. Things changed. When Jesus walked into the room, <laughs> it changed. People's lives were touched, touched and impacted in tremendous ways. I think about this. We all will say, yes, prayer is powerful. It's effective. But a lot of times we don't pray. We just don't. Why is that? And if we did, we, we, I think uh, we know that it would change things. And so this has been something that I, I guess want to bring to your guys' attention today is what kind of prayers do we need to actually be effective, to actually see things change? What does it look like to pray without ceasing? What does that even mean? What does it look like to, when the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words? What does that even mean? What does that look like when the Holy Spirit is praying for our needs? You know, I think part of the problem is we know God wants to move, but we, a lot of times when we pray, we just assume he's not going to move. That is an assumption a lot of times when we come to God in prayer. God, I, I want to see this situation change, but in our heart, a lot of times we assume already, even in our prayer, that God's not going to move in this way. Yeah, sure, he may help the doctor heal, you know, somebody, but we don't really actually think God's going to supernaturally heal somebody if we pray for them. We don't think that God's going to work something miraculous right in front of our eyes for that our lost son. We don't think God's going to move like that. We have a lot of doubt that builds up in our heart. So we know God is a powerful God. We know God wants to change people's hearts and lives. So I have a question for us all today, and it is this. Does God still move today like he did then? Or has he changed in some way? So if he's still the same as he was then, then is the problem then maybe in the way that we pray? Are we not seeing the things that God wants to accomplish today because we're not effective in our prayers? Or is it because God doesn't work the same anymore? So let's look at this. Matthew 7, 7 through 11 says this. Let me just say as you're turning there that I was kind of awesomeized, all right? It's a new word, all right? But uh, it was really cool because Walt came up here and he started to pray and minister to all you guys. And then he went ahead and listed all three of my points on prayer. 
And I was like, wow. Did, I asked him, did you, did you know what I was preaching on? You know, do you know my notes? And he's like, no. So he must be in the spirit today. So amen. Amen. So Matthew 7, 7 through 11 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? I read through that really quick. But look at this. For everyone who asks, receives. Jesus here is saying, ask, and he'll be given to you. He says, you who are evil, give good gifts to your kids. Why will not the Father give good gifts to you if you ask? Based on this verse right here, I would say that God has an open heaven. God is just yearning and longing to give you your requests. Everyone who asks receives. It's just saying ask, and it's going to be given to you, right? That's a powerful statement. Whatever you can gain from this, we could see that God is more than willing to give us our requests. All right? So here, here's the three points that Walt already mentioned, all right? Three fundamental aspects of prayer to sing our prayers answered, okay? Praying according to the will, praying in faith, and travailing in prayer, okay? These are things that we can pray to see in such a way to see our requests answered. So first of all, praying according to the will of God. What does that even mean? Okay, John 14, 14 says, Whatever you ask again in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, there could be a little confusion here because we could say, oh, Jesus' name. Jesus' name, I would like a Ferrari, right? I'm using Jesus' name, right? No, Jesus is not a genie, okay? So what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name. What does that mean? To pray in Jesus' name means to pray in accordance with his will. So I used to work for my dad, right? And I would go in and I would need to buy something. And I would go in and, and I couldn't just go in and buy whatever I want, but I would go in and I'd have an account and I'd say, here I am, this is my name, I need this. And I would buy it for the farm, I was buying it in my dad's name for the farm. And that's a lot of ways of how we look at prayer. When we pray in Jesus' name, we are praying in accordance with his will and saying, okay, I'm, I'm looking at this account. This is your will. I'm praying for it, and I'm expecting you to move. So that's the heart of praying in the will of God. Prayer is, in a big part, a lot of times when we come to prayer, we come with our own agenda, but really the kind of praying according to the will of God is saying, no, I'm going to partner with God in prayer. I'm going to hear and see what his will, his heart, and his desire is, and I'm going to pray in accordance with that. So a lot of times we kind of miss this because 
it's hard for us sometimes to grasp the will of God. Because the heart of God and the will of God aren't necessarily always the same thing. So let me explain it to you like this. So sometimes we may pray, Lord, I pray that you save everyone in the world. That's a great prayer. That's in accordance with the heart of God, right? But we know that God, that not all people will be saved, right? We could think of Job and his situation where he was in suffering. And we, if we were in that situation, we would want to come up to, to Job and say, Lord Jesus, we pray that you heal Job. That's according with God's heart. But we know that God allowed the suffering to, to change his heart and then to really develop him into a man of God, right? Even more so. And so we'd be praying for the heart of God, but not necessarily in the will of God over the life of Job. You know, I see this in for the persecuted church a lot of times. Like Americans will pray for people overseas. They're suffering. They're in real pain. And so they'll just say, Lord, I pray that you get this person out of prison. But what's interesting is the people in prisons aren't even praying that a lot of times. They're saying, God, I want to be more like you. Use this as an opportunity to glorify your name. So what's interesting is the people in these persecuted countries aren't even praying for the release or a lot of these things. They're praying that God will change them through that experience. You know, a lot of the pastors in, in China, they consider it, you know, you're, you're equipped to be a pastor if you've been to prison and, and for the sake of Christ. You know, that's their seminary. And so we look at things very differently. We look at, at the heart but not always the will of God. So when we pray, we need to be observant about that. Like a lot of times I get this, well, I've gotten this before. Jonathan, will you pray that COVID would go away? And I say, well, maybe God has something in the midst of this COVID situation. Maybe he's wanting to bring the hearts of people back to him. Maybe there's, there's a point and there's a purpose behind this. Maybe this is what's going to bring in the, the end days. And so in praying the will of God, we need to be sensitive to what it actually is. So I want to share with you about one of maybe the greatest prayer warriors, Mueller, George Mueller. So this is, he's prayed and he says he's had apparently in his journals, he has like some 50,000 specific answers to prayer. And this is what he says about praying the will of God. He says, I seek at the beginning to get my heart into such a state that it has no will of its own in regard to a given matter. Nine-tenths of the trouble with people is just here. Nine-tenths of the difficulties are overcome when our hearts are ready to do the Lord's will, whatever it may be. When one is truly in this state, it is usually but a little way to the knowledge of what his will is. We come with our own agenda to prayer, and it clouds our minds where we cannot pray effectively as we should. We can't discern the will of God. And so coming to that point where you're saying, God, whatever the answer, whatever the result is, I'm okay with one way or another. In that position, in that place, you're able to understand the will of God. So, first of all, we want to pray in the will of God. Second of all, we want to pray in faith. Okay? Just knowing the will of God is not enough. Over and over again, he calls us to pray in faith. 
Let's look at this. First, the lack of faith limits the work of God. Matthew 13, 58 says, And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Think about that. Jesus, who is God, was limited in what he could or would do because of people's faith. He could do all things, but he limited what he would do because of unbelief. We should have an expectancy for our prayer request. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you receive them and they will be granted to you. So Jesus is actually asking us to believe that we've already received them before we've actually seen it with our eyes. Saying, have that expectancy that if you pray, that I am going to move. Okay? And let's look at another one. Faith is important not only for the one praying, but for the one receiving the prayers. We see this in Acts 14, 8 and 9. It says, now in Lystra, there was a man sitting there who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looked intently at him. And seeing that he had faith to be made well, he said in a loud voice, stand up on your feet. And he sprang up and began to walk. So we see here that it is important or good to have not only the one praying for someone, but also the other person having faith as well in their pra- and receiving that blessing. So here's the problem with doubt and uncertainty. How do you pray in faith for healing if you aren't sure of the will of God? There are three people involved in praying for somebody. There's the will of God, there's my faith, and there's a person receiving faith. How do I pray for them if I don't even know if they have faith? How do I, how do I step out and, and grow in this faith if I don't know if I have enough faith or if they even have faith at all? These are some important questions that I want us to talk about. So first of all, let's talk about the very nature of what faith is. Because a lot of times we think we just need to have more faith, more faith. That is important. But first I want to say that faith is not the absence of doubt. It's really important to understand this. So I want to take the children of Israel, for instance. They're in the wilderness. They had come to a place where they had no water. They had doubt. They turned around and said, I'm going to run back to Egypt. There's times in our life where we're going to come to a place where we're going to have that same issue and we're saying, God, I need you to step up in my life. I have doubts. Will you make it or will you not? Will you be there for me or not? Faith says, I, yes, there may be a nagging doubt in my mind, but I'm going to choose to believe and have faith anyway. I'm going to continue going forward no matter what happens. That is faith. We see this in Mark 9, 20 through 24, and they brought to him to Jesus, a boy. And when they saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into convulsion and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has he been like this? And he said, from childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. What I want us to see here is 
Who we have faith in is more important than the amount of faith that we have. Faith is like a muscle. As we continually step forward, we're going to see God's faithfulness in our life, and it will grow more and more. So what do you do when you don't know the will of God? You know, what's going to happen? How do you pray when you're saying, God, I don't even know the will of God. How can I pray in faith? I think it's really important to understand this. A lot of times, it's okay. Pray according to the heart of God in these situations. Saying, God, I don't know what you're going to do in this person's life. But I still want to partner with you and pray that your will and your grace will come and bring breakthrough. So I don't want to say, even though I drew a distinction earlier about the will of God and the heart of God, many times we don't know. But that shouldn't prevent us from praying and expecting God to move in that person's life. So let's talk about this. Sometimes God does things that are just out of the box. We've looked at kind of the picture-perfect idea of how God moves. Praying according to his will and praying in faith, right? And seeing things happen according to the will of God. But if we think of Hezekiah, he prayed and he said, God said, I'm taking you home. You are not, you're going to be sick and you're going to die, right? And Hezekiah said, no, no, please. God changed his mind and gave him another 15 years. We see some strange things happen just because God is who he, he says he is. I've been studying a lot on miracles and, and a book by Craig Keener. He, he talks about a man that came to like some kind of meeting that they had there. And the preacher was preaching and this man had a withered arm. And he was going to say something negative against what the speaker was saying. And he goes and he raises his hand up in protest. And God miraculously heals his, his hand. Another situation, a boy had serious illness, and he was going to be looking to be healed. And there was, a, I think, I believe it was an atheist was there and said, God, if you're real, why don't you heal this boy? God miraculously heals him instead of the boy. So a lot of times when we look at this, this picture of what God has, sometimes he does things completely different. My own personal experience in healings, when I've seen God move, I don't know if there's ever been an instance when I knew for sure that it was the will of God for someone to be healed. But what's interesting is I look and when I pray for people, I think, what is God's heart? God's heart is to touch this person. And so in my mind, I have this thought that says, why not, God? Why not heal this person? So I may not have faith of being like, I know this person's going to be healed, but I have an expectancy that God is going to touch them and potentially heal that person. A lot of times when we pray like that, we pray for people, but we expect that God is not going to move. And I think that that's the danger there. So sometimes, sometimes our faith can really be increased. Sometimes people get these words of knowledge. I had that happen one time where I was in a church and they said, I believe God's going to heal people with bad wrists. And I'm like, oh, hey, that's me. You know? And so 
I received that. That helps to increase your faith, and my wrist hasn't ever hurt like that since. And so it's been like some 10 years. So God is able to move through different areas to increase our faith. But the bottom line is, even if we don't know his will, we should have an expectancy that God is going to move. You know? So let's go ahead and move into the third point. So we should pray according to the will of God, as best as it depends upon us, to, and partner with him in that. And we should pray in faith or with expectancy. And lastly, we should travail in prayer or be fervent or persistent in prayer, okay? Many people pray, even in the will of God and even with faith, but I think they still miss God's blessing because they do not persist and prayer. So this very idea of travailing in prayer holds this idea. If you look it up, you're not going to probably see it in your Bible, but they'll use other words like toil, labor, or anguish, or labor pains when they're talking about praying for someone else. So, you know, I think a lot of times when we pray, we think, I'm going to pray, I'm going to leave it before God and leave the ball in his court and let him just, if he wants to move, I'm going to let him take care of it and I'm going to let him move. But I'm not, I don't need to persist in prayer. Why would I need to do that? Why do I need to keep praying for something when God already knows what I'm going to pray before I pray and he's heard my request, why do I need to keep bothering him with it, right? We can read passages like this, Matthew 6, 7, which says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So sometimes I think in our prayer life, we think, see, there you go. I don't need to keep asking him for this. He's heard me. He's got it. He's a big God. If he's going to move, he's going to move, right? I think... So you look at this, you realize, I think there's something missing in this. See, in the Matthew passage, they were thinking their words could move the heart of God, like they could control God through their many prayers. If I say these prayers, I'm going to get this result. The heart of one travailing or anguishing in their prayers or crying out to God, care nothing about impressing God. They're just coming from a heart of deep anguish. And pain, and they're saying, God, I just beg of you, please move in my life. Please move in my family. So let's look at some characteristics of travailing prayer. So, first of all, it's persistent, it's a labor, it's a toil in prayer. Luke 18:1 says this, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. There was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because of this woman's keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice so she will not beat me down by her continually coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. So he's saying, he's talking about these people to not lose heart in their prayers. And then he also talks about here of crying out to God day 
and night. This imagery of what Jesus is encouraging us to do is one of continually praying, crying out day and night for God to move on our hearts and our lives. This very idea of prayer holds the idea of one waging war in the spirit realm, toiling, laboring for situations to change. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.